Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. My guest today is a very special one. She is Hannah Brown from e-residency in Estonia, which if you're wondering I know I've heard of that somewhere. It's probably here on this show because eResidency Estonia is one of our season sponsors and a huge supporter of this show. So I was very grateful to Hannah for coming on the show and supporting us in another way by sharing her story and more about what eResidency in Estonia is. We dive into all the details of the program, but also what life is like in Estonia, in Tallinn, the capital that's amazingly beautiful and sounds even more incredible when she describes it and a little bit about the digital nomad visa that Estonia has established as well. So we go into a whole lot in this one about her life, growing up in multiple countries, all about Estonia, how you can get access to Estonia and the e-residency program. It's a really amazing episode. I really enjoyed this one. So I hope you will as well. Please help me in welcoming Hannah to About Abroad. Hannah, welcome to About Abroad. How are you today? I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, this is going to be a really exciting conversation. I really think we need like uh, multiple episodes because there's so much to dive into here. But but let's just uh, so with, without putting too much fluff around it, let's just go ahead and, and jump right in. Please uh, do do a quick introduction if you don't mind. Uh, I would love for the audience to know a little bit about how you uh, where you are right now, how you arrived there, uh, maybe a little bit about where you're from originally, if we can put quote unquote on originally, and uh, and then we'll get into e-residency in Estonia. Sure. Um, so yeah, again, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, my name is Hannah and I'm the head of content at e-residency of Estonia. Uh, but you, maybe your listeners can hear my accent is not very Estonian. It's a bit more of the Australian kind. You asked me where I'm from and I, I've told you this before, but I'm one of these people who struggles to answer this question because I feel like I'm from many places uh, and from nowhere at the same time. Um, So uh, I was born in New Zealand. My parents were working in um, travel. They were working for Qantas at the time. So from a very early age, I was traveling. I was on a plane from, I think, two or three weeks old. Um, So it's sort of been in my blood since I was little. And, And we moved to Australia. I did most of my schooling in Australia, apart from a few years in Fiji. Um, where I also went to school in very formative years. So I have sort of very um, uh, fond memories of the islands and and that kind of life, that kind of laid-back life. Um, And, uh, yeah, continued to travel all my life and in more recent years have lived in uh, Switzerland, in um, Geneva, in Berlin, in Germany, and now for two years um, I've been living in Tallinn in Estonia. Um, And that was for the job that, the, the e-residency job that we're going to talk a little bit about today. So that's kind of the background. Wow. My my professional experience is that I'm a, a, a lawyer by training and, and I 
I was a corporate lawyer for six years. I then moved to Switzerland for a master's degree and also to sort of, you know, try and save the world. <laughs> I got sick of the corporate law life. That has sort of brought me here to Estonia. It's, it's, it, it sounds like it's a little bit all over the place, but it, when you look back, it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the dots connect really nicely, and uh, and I it resonated with me when you said like you feel like you're from a lot of places, but also from not from anywhere, and and I hear that as as a common theme from people who e- even people that haven't had the same experience that you have growing up in multiple countries, um, but even just kind of like having lived in two or three different places. It's like, well, I don't really know where I'm from anymore. And that's a that's a real thing. It is, yeah. And I was just actually back in Sydney for two months uh, over summer. And um, I, I really enjoyed being there, although I was in quarantine, hotel quarantine and then lockdown for most of it. Um, but I didn't, I, it was the first time where I really didn't feel like it was my home home. Um, and I, I was homesick for Tallinn. So I think at the moment, home is, is Estonia and Tallinn. Um, I just bought an apartment here as well. So it's sort of, yeah, I'm putting some roots down here and let's see how it goes. Like, you know, in three years, I might say, no, where's, where's next? But for now, it's, uh, <laughs> it's here. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I didn't, I knew a bit of the background there. I did. I had no idea about the Fiji bit though. That's, uh, that had to be an interesting experience spending a couple of your formative years there. Is that, is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I think it's some of my earliest memories, um, and my, my dad was working for Air Pacific, which is now called, I think, Fiji Air. Um, so we had, you know, we, we were living quite a nice life there as expats. Um, I was five, six, seven, eight years old, going to school there with kids from um, Fiji, but also from other islands in the South Pacific. And there are also, I was at a Chinese school, so quite a lot of Chinese um, friends. And, um, and um, yeah, so it was, it was really interesting. But I have really, really fond memories of, of Fiji. Absolutely. From Fiji to Estonia, yeah, it's uh, it's um, it's pretty amazing that you've gotten the experience to live in these different places. I mean, a lot of people would just love to have the opportunity to visit some of the the ones you rattled off there. So quite an epic life you've you've already lived to this point, and um, but you've landed in Estonia. Estonia feels like home, and I think Estonia is a place that is increasingly on the map for people but still sort of flying under the radar. And so I wonder if you might explain a little bit about what it is that that you really care for when it comes to Estonia and and just sort of your general perception on the country. We can paint some really broad strokes and then dive in a little bit deeper. Sure. I mean, I could talk about this for hours. I find this country absolutely fascinating. Um, It's um, a a very small country, uh, only a population of 1.3 million. The the majority are Estonian speakers, native speakers, um, but there there is a sort of uh, 25 or 30 percent minority of Russian-speaking Estonians as well, um, because Estonia is right on the border with Russia. It's right at the bastions of the European Union. Um, but also it's in the North, it, it also has the sort of Nordic um, uh, feel to it as well. It's, it's very close to its neighbours, um, Finland. Um, it's had Swedish and Danish, uh, I suppose, col- colonialism in the past. <laughs> um, and, um, and it was the, the, um, the furthest outpost of the Hanseatic League, which was the German trade um, league back in you know, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th centuries. So it has sort of, it's a bit of a melting pot. While the Estonians are a very proud nation of people with their language and everything, they've taken a lot from 
uh, all of these other countries that have either been occupying or <laughs> trading here for centuries. Um, so even in the language, you sometimes hear words that might sound a little bit like German vocab uh, or Russian. Um, and the way that they are is quite Germanic in a sense. They're very on time. Um, they're very straightforward and direct. But then they also have the sort of Russian, um, the, fam the familial elements and, and the, like, uh, you know, keeping their family close and, and all this, this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, you, you, you get a bit of a melting pot of the, of the north, the, um, the east and the west here, which is what I really like. Um, so that's sort of the, a bit of a summary of, uh, of the history and, and the culture. Um, the, the, the climate is um, quite unique, I think. Uh, it's uh, in summer. You have almost no darkness. It's light all the time, and this, the the weather is sort of in the late twenties Celsius. I'm, I don't know Fahrenheit. I'm sorry. Um, early thirties. I've been in Spain long enough where I where I understand yeah. the Celsius uh, to to okay. a degree. So for for my American <laughs> listeners out there, twenty eight is eighty two. That's the easy thing to remember. So high twenties is like eighties. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just absolutely lush here in summer. It's the best time to be here, and um, it's very outdoors life. There's 2,000 islands off the coast of Estonia, um, and they're absolutely beautiful. People have a lot of Estonians have summer houses where they go and spend summer and also many weekends throughout the year. And so if you can find some Estonian friends to take you to their summer houses, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> Um, are they are they actually on the islands the the summer houses? Some of them, yeah. Some of them are on the mainland, and then a lot of people have uh, uh, summer houses um, on the islands. And the pandemic has actually um, made it really competitive on the islands because you know everyone found out that they could work remotely, so they were all like, oh, "We can go and live in the islands, you know, and, and get out and get these really nice houses." So the real estate market there has gone up. Side side note, sorry, um, getting sidetracked already. Um, but yeah, I spent, yeah. A, I, spent a, I spent some weekends on the islands this year and it's just, yeah, absolutely beautiful. And then obviously I'm super fascinated by this. What, can I ask one question with yeah, sure. like people picture islands, like that there can be different types of islands, right? Like, like there's like Caribbean islands and there's Fiji and there's the Mediterranean island. Like what, how would you describe the islands? Because I totally did not associate island life with, with Estonia at, at all. So I'm fascinated by this. Yeah, I suppose, um, the closest thing I can think of is um, if you've ever been to, to sort of Sweden or Finland with the, um, where, you, where they all have these wooden houses on lakes. Um, in Sweden, I think they're all red. In Finland, they, they have them as well. It's a, the, the, um, the islands, some of them are bigger than others, some of them are smaller, but they're very green, lots of trees, um, you know, northern sort of um, landscape of trees. Um, and then they have these wooden houses or farms um, that where they where they live and there's and they can you can either swim in the in the Baltic Sea if you want or some of them even have lakes to swim. But yeah, it's 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 like yeah, it's sort of that, that sort of Nordic kind of wilderness, I suppose, but on an island. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. that sounds beautiful. And, and the water, people, people go swimming. It's, it's mild enough to where you can, you can get in. I'm wondering if it's like too freezing to actually enjoy, but pe people get in. Yeah. In, in summer, it's actually pretty mild. Yeah. In winter, okay. people still swim, but then that's when you start getting into winter swimming, um, which is something that I have actually really started to do a lot since I've lived here. Um, so yeah, the flip side of a really, really nice, light, sun, beautiful summer is that you have a really cold, dark winter. <laughs> And 
it's actually the sort of winter where you really dream and hope for snow because the more snow there is, the lighter it, it feels. Um, and also the more sort of romantic the Christmas markets are and this kind of thing. And you can go cross-country skiing and hiking on the snow and these kinds of things. So, um, but, yeah, as I, as I said, one thing that I have taken up since moving here is, um, is, is winter swimming where you swim in, you know, zero degree, getting Celsius. <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, luckily there's the sauna, the sauna culture to warm up. Um, between swims Uh, and that's another really big part of Estonian culture when you go to someone's summer house generally they'll have a sauna actually a lot of apartments even in Tallinn have saunas so in the in the winter you can warm up in your own house um and and I love that aspect of this place yeah what what is a what is a winter swim what did you sorry what did you call it a a winter swim or uh yeah Yeah. What, what does that look like 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 including the sun a bit but like what is a do people get together in groups and go at certain times or you're in the ocean or how does yeah, it work? There's, I mean, there's different ways to do it. In, there's a few swimming clubs where people go there and there's actually a sauna that's warming up. So you go and you get in the water and you can spend as much time in there as you can bear. And then you get in the sauna and you do that a few times. Um, and it's, uh, it's supposed to be good for your health and keeps you, keeps your heart rate moving and your aerobic um, fitness uh, doing well, but then there's also if you have sort of if you have friends in the in the country with a summer house, they might have a lake in in their backyard which covers with ice in, in winter, and that's when you need the axe to <laughs> make a hole in the lake. Um, and you know you run in and you jump in and then you get really cold, and then you run back into the nice warm sauna and, and warm up. And, and, and it normally helps if you've maybe had a little schnapps or, or a couple of beers to, to warm you up as I well. I imagine. If you're, if you're, if you're self-inclined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say there there might be a little bit of that involved uh, if I'm getting in the ice water. But that, that's, <laughs> I, I love that this is like a, a piece of the culture there. That's amazing. Another thing that I think uh, like one of the uh, stereotypical things that I believe comes to people's mind when they think about Estonia is the beautiful architecture in, in Tallinn. And it has a very, you kind of, re- you referred to this a minute ago, I think, but it has a very like romantic feel to it. Cobblestony streets and beautiful buildings. And mm-hmm. um, it looks super picturesque. Is Am I correct in, in suggesting that? Yeah, no, it seems a bit cliched, but it is very, it's like a little toy town almost. You, you don't really yeah. think it's real. Um, the, the old, we're talking about the old town of Tallinn. There's obviously many, many suburbs around the old town which aren't don't have cobblestones. They're more a little bit more modern and contemporary. But the old town itself is, I think, one of the oldest um, sort of preserved towns with with the wall, with the medieval wall, cobblestone streets, and the houses have been done uh, redone um, thanks to UNESCO um, having UNESCO heritage. Um, and yeah, there's uh, lots of beautiful churches and um, merchant houses um, and old uh, theatres and these kinds of things. That uh, it, yeah, it's it's super lovely. For for the last year, I actually lived in the old town, and it was a bit of a, it was just dreamlike. You know, you'd walk out and you'd feel like you were almost you'd gone back in time. Um, but at the same time, you can you know find little you know great coffee shops that make a really nice espresso or. <laughs> <laughs> have a aperol spritz in the town hall so it's it, it's also kind of got the fun the fun um 
party, party and, and, and co- coffee culture as well. So uh, it's a nice place to be. And then, as I said, um, around the old town, there are some newer suburbs where they've converted old factories and in- industrial areas into commercial areas and commercial zones and office zones. And so there's Teleskivi, which is the creative city part of Tallinn, where there's lots of street art and craft beer and gin distilleries and restaurants and bars and theatres and these kinds of things. There's Rotomani, which is where a lot of offices are and and high street shops and and restaurants as well. Um, And then one thing that Thailand does have a lot of is shopping centres, so I think because of the cold in particular. So you're you're fine when you're here. One thing that I found when I moved here is it was really easy like I, I sort of knew already how to get around and um, use grocery shops and, and find, you know, hardware stores, all those things that you don't necessarily think of when you move somewhere but you realise are quite important um, things to know and that was quite easy. That was quite an easy thing to navigate when I moved here. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This season is brought to you by my good friends over at Insured Nomads. They're the absolute best in the business when it comes to providing health, travel, and medical insurance for nomads, expats, and really just all forms of world travelers. I know insurance is often something that's overlooked when we're fantasizing about traveling the world, but it's absolutely necessity that we address this because often the policy you have in your home country isn't going to cover you while you're abroad. And it's also a requirement, as a lot of people may not realize, to actually buy private travel or expat insurance, as it's called sometimes, to obtain a visa or even enter certain countries. So fortunately, there are companies like Insured Nomads to help us with this. Not only do they have excellent coverage and great prices, but they're also providing a first-class experience with additional perks and best-in-class technology via their app. It's, a, it's an amazing experience. I can't recommend it enough. Now, this is a company that was built by world travelers for world travelers. So they know what it's like to find yourself in a difficult medical situation abroad, and they want to keep you from having that same bad experience. So the next time you're planning a trip abroad, whether it's for a week or a lifetime, check out Insured Nomads via the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also brought to you by my partner podcast of the week, which is That Remote Life, hosted by my friend Mitko Karshavsky. This is truly one of my favorite shows out there. It's what I go to when I want to listen to people who are building location-independent businesses and living well, that remote life, as you might imagine. Uh, Mitko brings on his guests from all around the world who have built successful businesses and then kind of walks you through how you could follow in their footsteps. They're all living location independent, very interesting lives in various parts of the world. And Mitko himself is a digital nomad. So he is really doing a great job. I think you guys will enjoy it. He's brought on people like Phil Libin, who founded Evernote, Andrew Henderson from Nomad Capitalist, even Eric Jorgensen, the author of Navalmanac, which is super popular. So if you're interested in entrepreneurship, location-independent businesses, uh, I think you'll really like that remote life, and I can't recommend it enough. So learn more via the show notes and go check out That Remote Life wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, now back to the episode. 
How about the uh, the language barrier? Did you? I, I I'm gonna go out on a limb and and believe that you probably didn't speak Russian or or Estonian fluently when you arrived. Uh, did, how did you feel with the language barrier, or is there one? Um, no, I didn't speak any Estonian or Russian. Um, <laughs> Estonian is an incredibly difficult language. Uh, it's on, in its own language tree with Finnish and Hungarian, actually, funnily enough. Um, so it's not like I speak a little bit of French and German, a little bit of Spanish, and it's just completely different. So um, that was, yeah, that was a barrier. But the good thing is that the majority of Estonians speak perfect English because they learn it from a very young age uh, at school. And um, so in that sense, you're you're fine with English. Um, If you're here, if you're here, particularly if you're here for like a year or a couple of years, there's no expectation that you'll speak more than Atere, which is hello, or, you know, aita, which is thank you. One thing, though, that I would really like to do if I do end up staying here long term is is learning the language. So there are free courses if you do come and settle here. There are free courses for sort of beginners and, and even beyond that. And then the, the universities offer them as well. So it's, it's possible to learn a language. And I think a lot of people who speak multiple languages do seem to find it a bit easier. So... Okay. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, if you have that experience of, of learning one or two, then you, I mean, even if it's not of the same language tree, you can still kind of adapt a little bit quicker than somebody coming in with, with no experience. But it's also nice for people to know, like, I don't, I don't know what I, what I find a lot is that people have a really strong desire to move to another country. They're always looking for this place to go. They want that experience. Of course, living in a place like Tallinn sounds like magical to somebody who's wanting to experience this fairy tale European land and sounds amazing, right? But then there's all the reasons not to do it. And language is one of those ones that pops up. People are really fearful of, you know, feeling stupid or, or, or not being able to communicate with you know, someone at a bank or a doctor or something. So I think it's comforting for people to know, like, just say if you were to go to any of the Nordic countries, you'd go and you'd have zero problem in uh, just communicating in, in English. So that's, that's really good to know. Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, very early on when I was here, I had to go to the doctor and there was no issues with the language. Um, same with opening a bank account, these kinds of things. It was, um, it was all done in English and um, there a lot of the government, we'll talk about a bit, of more, bit more about this when we talk about e-residency, but a lot of the government um, online infrastructure is also in English. So if you do end up settling here and, you, and you, you're using the online platforms, the e-services, um, you, can, you can navigate that as well. Yeah, that's really good to know because that is often not the case uh, in in other European countries here. For instance, in Spain, you won't find any of that in English. Actually, where I am, I'm in Valencia and there's actually a, the, uh, one of the official languages of Spain, I believe there's five, is, uh, is Valenciano. And so actually most of the government organizations write their documentation in Valenciano, um, which isn't too, I mean, it's pretty different from Spanish, but it's like, like a mixture of, it's like Catalan, a mixture of Spanish and oh, French seeming. And uh, but so I can kind of read it and understand it. But if you, you know, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable signing a document in Valenciano. So uh, you often have to get help. And it's really nice to know that in Estonia, that's that's not the case. Um, before And before we dive into more of the government stuff, because we obviously really want to spend some time there and talk some of the logistics and practicalities of, of settling in there. I'm, you mentioned like some of the, the culture, you mentioned the coffee culture and the and some of the fun, some of these areas that are popping up with, you know, craft breweries and art scene and stuff. 
So just kind of generally speaking, could you describe the, the social scene, the, the, cult, like the culture, the, the vibe, I guess, so to speak, of Tallinn and, and maybe, if you can, a little more broadly in, in Estonia? And I think particularly from the perspective of like an expat, you know, someone trying to settle in there, um, how they might perceive settling into life socially and culturally there. Yeah, I I, uh, I would say this is probably the most difficult part because um, generally speaking, Estonians are quite reserved and they do they, they do uh, stay with their families a lot. And, and, and as I sort of said before, they do actually go away on the weekends to their summer houses a lot. So <laughs> sometimes you'll feel like on the weekend, everything's very empty in, in the city. Um, but as I said, if you can find some Estonian friends, the best thing to do is just go with them to the countryside. Um, <laughs> but um, in terms of the, the social scene, there's lots. There's yeah, there's there's definitely places to go if you like if you like to go out and dance or if you like jazz, if you like um, theatre, cinemas, all of that stuff is here and it's absolutely accessible. And um, like movies are in English a lot of the time with Australian subtitles or, or different languages as well. Um, so in that sense, it's fine. Um, but one thing that I would always encourage people who visit Estonia to do is not necessarily just stay in Tallinn. It's to get out and to go to the other cities. There is another city called Tartu, which is in the south of Estonia, and that's sort of a bit more of a bit of a university town. It has a really famous old university. So there are like probably a little bit more of a university nightlife uh, going on down there, and also a lot of art art galleries. The National Museum of Estonia is there, and it's just a really beautiful, beautiful town. And then there are others as well in different parts of, of the countryside, as, as I mentioned, plus the islands. So I would always suggest to people don't just stay in Tallinn. Definitely like come here for a few days, but then try and, and, and visit different places because. I mean, one of the best things about living in a small country is you can get anywhere within a few hours. So, yeah. And then the vibe is, uh, is, is fun. I, I, I made a group of friends very early on when I, when I came here because I, I was proactive. I went to some international events where there were lots of expats um, and, and found like-minded people and, and got along really well. So that's something that I think is a good idea to always do, no, no matter where you are, not just in Estonia. Um, going to these cultural events, um, if you're an entrepreneur, there are a lot of startup-focused events particularly. So finding finding those co-working spaces where there are people like you and, and finding friends in that sense. And then doing things like, you know, silly things like going winter swimming. So coming to these swimming clubs, um, you might meet people that way and you, you probably will meet Estonians that way because that's what they're doing as well. So cool. Yeah, those are some really great suggestions. And, and I 100% agree, like kind of diving in. It's You don't have to do one or the other like, some people believe, you know, oh, I just want to get in with the local group um, or I, I really just feel more comfortable with the with the expat group. And I think it's so nice to do a mixture of the two because it is there's a there's a real place like I, I think it, it goes without saying like, oh, yeah, getting into the culture of the place you're living is probably something everybody wants to do when they move to a new place. But it can be scary, intimidating. Sometimes cultures are a little more reserved or closed off or whatever to new people. So the expat community becomes the easy thing to do. And if you choose one or the other, you end up kind of missing out on the other half. Uh, so I think there's a great... It sounds like you've got a great blend of the two. Like You're diving into the to the culture, doing the swimming and meeting Estonians, obviously in your work, you're, you know, you could, that could help you cross those paths too. But then also finding the, the expat groups, the international groups can be can really give you like a sense of community and, and home that you might miss uh, as an expat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Sounds like you got a great a great combination there. Well, I I think it's a a perfect time to kind of transition into what you do at Estonia e residency and talk about this program. And so maybe let's just start with just a little bit of history or or background on this program because I think a lot of people that listen to the show may have heard of it before, but they're really not quite sure what it is or 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 how it might benefit them. Yeah, sure. Cut me off if I'm talking too much because this is a topic that I love to talk about. So um, <laughs> yeah, so the program itself started in 2014. But it has, uh, it, it, it really, its genesis was in the 90s when Estonia regained its independence from the Soviet Union um, and was left sort of with nothing. The, the, the country was empty. The, the Soviet Union literally just left everything and just went back home. Um, the, the country didn't have really much going for it in terms of uh, resources, uh, human capital, any, uh, it really had to make some tough decisions. So a young government um, that came into power at the time decided to um, go in the direction of the digital. Go in, the internet was just kind of starting to be, become a thing at that point and they were like, okay, let's run with this, let's go with this, let's make our country fully digital, both, both for efficiency gains but also they just... I, they must have just known or had some feeling that this was sort of the way to go. And so in the last 30 years, the country has undertaken a huge transformation. 99% of public services are online now. The education system is online. The health system, you know, um, every, everything is online. They've been paying their taxes online since 2000. They've been voting online here since, I think, 2005 or four. And um, they've been, you know, registering their motor vehicles all online for the last five years or six years as well, which for, I think Americans will be like, what? <laughs> From what I understand. Uh, uh, if, I wish people could see my face right now, my jaw dropping, like, why can't we figure this out in America <laughs> or anywhere yeah. else in the world? Because nobody wants to go to the DMV, like the, you know, to go renew your license or, register your vehicle. Voting is obviously a huge topic of discussion around the world and access to voting um, and why it's not available easily online is mind blowing. And so this is, so Estonia has figured this out um, decades ago. Uh, that, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think it does help that it's a small country and they, and they had nothing to begin with. So they had to build it. And so that, in that sense, it was a bonus for them. But basically, the only things that I think you still have to do in person are marriage and divorce. <laughs> so <laughs> everything else you can kind of um, organize online. You know, there might obviously, if you need to go to the doctor, you have to go to in person. Um, but in terms of you know booking appointments, getting health prescriptions, that can be done all online. Um, the same with the motor vehicles. If you need to get your license, you might need to do a test in person. But in terms of documentation and all this kind of stuff, that's all online. So um, it's when I moved here, that was, it, it was after living in Switzerland for the last five years before, where it's a little bit Germanic in the sense that you have to go to the office and you have to fill out the paperwork and you have to post things or courier things. This was a huge shock, huge uh, benefit, bonus. So that made life really easy. I've just heard there's a drill just started, so I'm hoping they won't go for too long. Um, <laughs> no worries. Anyway. So, so basically, so I've given you sort of the background. So uh, the, 
everyone in, in Estonia has a digital ID card where they can log into these public services that I'm talking about all online and do their public business. A lot of the private sector are now have since um, taken this on as well. So when I log into my bank account, I use the same digital ID as the one that I would use to you know, book a doctor's appointment or, or um, do something with the DMV here. And so about seven, eight years ago, Estonia, the Estonian government were thinking about different ways or innovative ways to get some more economic growth. Because, they're, because they are a small country, they have limited capital, they have limited um, human capital, and they also have limited resources. So they were thinking about ways to sort of um, uh, leverage what they have in terms of the digital so um, one of the ideas was, well, why don't we open up what we have to foreigners, to, foreign, to, to people overseas? Um, how could we do this? Maybe we could give them a digital ID, similar or almost the same as, as the one that Estonian citizens have, and uh, let them do the same things in our platforms. Um, and so that was the idea. And originally, I think the idea was, well, maybe it will be easier for people to invest in the country. But then as normally happens with these kind of forward thinking tech advances and, you know, uh, future thinking programs, the, the digital nomads and the, um, the, the, tech, the tech community, the, the, the sort of software engineers and, and com- computer science geeks, they really jumped on this. And so it sort of turned more into a way for people to use their ID to log into the Estonian system and start a company and, uh, and run their company from wherever they are in the world. So that's kind of how it, how it grew. And so now the, the main focus that we have is on this business element. So any foreign national um, can apply for e-residency, they get their card, and once they have their card, they can log in, they can start a company in Estonia, which is in the European Union, so that's also an added benefit, and then they can run it, yeah, wherever they are. So for people, for people who are digital nomads, for um, entrepreneurs who want to, have their business totally location independent. For freelancers who maybe are sort of thinking about moving from just invoicing clients to something a little bit more structured uh, in the form of a private limited company, it's uh, quite a good solution. So I'll stop there and maybe if you have any questions. (laughs) (laughs) I just have like 72 questions. Uh, No, no, we'll we'll be here for a while. Um, You mentioned that one of the benefits is being in the EU, which on the surface sounds amazing. I wonder if you could dive a little bit deeper on why that is a benefit uh, to, to be a part of the, to have a business in the EU. Yeah, so I, it, there are probably different reasons for different people and it depends um, who we're talking about. But if we're talking about, for example, people who uh, own businesses already in say Ukraine or Turkey, which are on the edge of the European Union, but they want to have an easy way to serve their clients in the EU, then they can set up this other company, you know, either related or not to their um, to their own um, existing business, and it means they can, you know, uh, do business in euros. They can access all of the European countries because it is a single market. When when, you, when we talk about trading, recently there have been some changes to the VAT reporting regulations, which makes it much more simplified doing a VAT reporting across the EU. Um, so having an Estonian company can help with that as well. So that's one. So that's sort of one aspect of it. You know, this expanding into the EU or doing business easier in the EU. On the other side, there are a lot of countries where the business environment is maybe not so transparent, um, not so secure. Maybe there's a, little, a lot of bureaucracy. 
or even corruption uh, in some places. So uh, Estonia is a, is super transparent um, about its business environment. Every all the data about companies is available online publicly. You know, directors to um, annual reports to you know revenues and profits and taxes and everything. So. Uh, in that sense, it's really, really transparent. It's also uh, really secure as well. This is getting a little bit technical, but the digital infrastructure that Estonia has is based on blockchain-like technologies. So there is uh, added security in that sense to your data. So even though it's transparent on the one hand, for, for your own personal data and, and, these, and, and this kind of um, more sensitive information, it's, it's really secure. Wow. There have been, um, it's been tested in the past. 2007, there was a big cybersecurity incident here. Um, and then that sort of motivated the country to really, um, you know, make it even more secure and solid. So um, I think that there, there are certain countries, like, for example, the one to our east, that, that try and crack through um, sometimes. But um, in the last sort of 10 years, it's been pretty, yeah, it's been pretty rock solid. Wow. That's amazing. And, and so Estonia benefits from this by, is it, is it via tax revenue and, and or any other, it, did the foreign investment piece work out or is it mainly tax revenue or what, are the, what is Estonia gaining? So uh, I, I've got to be really careful here. I, I want to say, first of all, that Estonia is not a tax haven. So people who, it, even though you might have an Estonian company, you still have, um, you might still have tax liabilities in other countries, both personally and company as well, if you have a, a dual tax residency for your company. There are certain elements of uh, the company revenue and, and, and distributions that will get tax paid into Estonia. So, for example, if you pay yourself a board member's fee, that the, that personal tax will be paid in Estonia. So that's a, normally that's quite a small um, aspect. Also, VAT, that might be paid here. And if you hire employees they will also, you'll also be paying payroll and social taxes into Estonia. But if you're, if you have hiring employees in other countries, the, the, the taxes will be in those countries where they are. Or if you live in a certain country, the tax will be in, in your country. Um, so taxes is one element of it, but it's not, it's not the, 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 the main motivation behind it. And it's also not um, the biggest part of it, I would say. Maybe some people would disagree with me, but um, that's always a healthy, a healthy debate that we have here. Um, I think one another thing that um, that benefits that the, the way that the program benefits Estonia is uh, there. There are some requirements and needs from businesses to have service providers to help run their companies, and so since uh, e-residency started, a whole ecosystem of business service providers helping with company formation accounting, bookkeeping, taxes, legal, even marketing, et cetera, et cetera, have basically grown to serve e-resident company owners. Um, and that has been, I think, quite a, um, a nice boon for the Estonian business environment and economy. And then also um, if the companies themselves do decide to set up an office here, if they employ staff here, if they find business ventures with Estonian companies or other e-residents with Estonian companies, that can also indirectly benefit the Estonian economy as well. So that's kind of on the financial side of things. But then there's also this whole aspect that I think was a bit of a surprise, maybe not so much for, I think, 
internationals or foreigners, but I think it was a surprise for Estonians, which was this community aspect that grew out of it mm. and the, the awareness of Estonia that e-residency has brought. So here I'm talking about the fact that we now have, I think, 84,000 e-residents from around the world. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of them are really, really engaged and active and, and really interested in Estonia, the country as well. So it's possible that they may never have even found out about uh, sorry, Estonia before becoming an e-resident or finding out about, about the program. And I can attest to this because before I joined the program to work, I actually was an e-resident myself. And I joined because I was a fan of this idea of a digital nation and this um, global community of people who were sort of you know, thinking about how a country is serving them in a different way. You know, um, you don't necessarily need to live within the borders um, to take advantage of what they have to offer. So I joined for that reason. And I think before that, I'd maybe heard of Estonia just on maps, the geography lessons, these kinds of things. So in that sense, like they've, you know, they've, they've brought a whole new sense of awareness of the country, of the culture, of the language and also the digital transformation that they've undergone to themselves. So, yeah, in that, in that sense, it's not just the financial benefits, but also there's these this sort of cultural, social and, and um, community aspects that have grown around it too. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, I would 100% say from my perspective, it's put Estonia on the map in a terrible pun there, but like it would not necessarily have been a place that would come up in these conversations amongst tech companies, uh, you know, thought leaders, the ones that you kind of described as like early adopter types, which kind of drive innovation. Estonia's in that conversation now. And so it's as a brand sort of uh, Estonia's really arrived in, in that world, which I think is a super cool non-tangible uh, feature to, to this or benefit to this program that you guys have put together. Yeah. And you mentioned the tech world and um, I sort of forgot to mention this when I was doing my little history lesson, but um, one of the uh, things that has grown out of this digital transformation is the startup, a big startup scene here. Um, and mm. some, Unicorns, as they're called, like like TransferWise or Wise, um, PipeDrive, or Skype was the original, and Bolt more recently as well. So e-residency is kind of um, it's a it's a government program. So unlike these um, startups, which are private sector um, organisations, it is a government program. Sometimes we're put together with those startups because we do sort of operate as a public startup in a way and 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 the brands are often you know put together as Estonia is you know the home of Skype wise and e-residency so in that sense wow. um it's it's quite cool we have sort of best of both worlds here <laughs> yeah I mean that that's amazing those are some huge names that uh that have developed into like you said I mean these are billion dollar plus valuation companies that are being formed and housed in Estonia with, like you said, just a little over a million people. I mean, that's absolutely fascinating. What a success story uh, for what a program, like an innovative program like this can do for a country. Does it does it feel like a success? Like, does the Estonian government, um, do you guys inside the organization, do you feel like this has been a resounding success uh, thus far? Yeah, I think yes, but also we want to make it better, bigger and better. Um, yeah. This is <laughs> this is something that goes to, I think, the Estonian um, 
business culture. Um, it's super entrepreneurial here. Every Estonian that you meet will have a company already. Like it's just everyone has a company, a side hustle or just, you know, a little thing that they sell on the side or some freelancing that they do. Even some of my colleagues, they have businesses that they are also running in parallel to to working uh, for e-residency. I haven't joined them yet, but I'm just like thinking maybe it's something I need to do at some point. So yeah, so there's this if kind you, of If you really want to get into the culture there, you're going to need an LLC. <laughs> Basically, exactly. Yeah. Or an OO, as they're called here. <laughs> so yeah, so so I think uh, even though I think we've done probably better than anyone would ever expect, and I think outsiders looking in would be like, wow, you know, 84,000 e-residents, I think it's 18,000 companies that have been set up, and looking at the, 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 the money that's that's come into the country, oh, not even just the country, but the, the revenue that's been raised by the e-resident companies themselves on the one hand, then also the taxes that have come to the country. It's, it looks like a success, but we're, we're not, you know, we're not satisfied. We, we want it to become bigger. We're, there are um, some, you know, challenges, obviously, running international businesses, not just for e-resident companies, but for anyone running an international business in terms of taxes and banking, employment, these types of things. So these are things that we're always looking, how can we improve and how can we make our product fit better and, and solve our customers' problems more often? And then I just lost my train of thought. But um, And then on the other hand, there's also, no, I've lost my train of thought, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No, I mean, well, it, it actually kind of brings me to a it brings us to a good point because I'm one thing I'm curious about is the like, and, and I imagine this might be when you when you reference, you know, how you could improve it. Maybe that that involves processes, procedures. You know, everybody's looking to streamline bureaucracy and cut out more paperwork, more you know, more in person appointments, things like this. And it sounds like e-residency's done a great job. Estonia as a whole has done a great job making this pretty streamlined. I have that perception. So maybe you could just talk us through just kind of the bullet points of like the process for applying and how painful or painless that might be. And then on the flip side, like after you're an e-resident, some general processes or procedures you might have to go through just so somebody has, you know, a very idea of what they'd be getting themselves into yeah and you actually reminded me exactly what i was going to talk about so that's great so <laughs> so to apply it's an online application um it's quite a long form because you are applying for a, a state document so the, the application form has quite a lot of questions about what your motivations are and you know who you are as a person what's your criminal record or if you have what all these kinds of things but that's just because it is a, it, a little bit like a visa but but not a physical visa. So you are getting access to the country's infrastructure and you are getting a document that gives you access. So that so the police and border guard here would like to know a little bit about you. So that's it I think it takes about 30 minutes to fill in the online application. You need a copy of your passport, uh, a photo, like a passport photo, and it's a hundred it's about it's, it starts at hundred euros to apply. And once you've submitted the application, it then goes to the police and border guard and they'll review your application. They'll do some background checks, passport, these kinds of things. And normally you'll um, receive a response within three to eight weeks. I would say most people it's sort of three, four weeks, but for some people, if they haven't necessarily given um, enough information, they might be asked for more um, on their application. So that's why it could extend out. To two months. Once you've been accepted, and I think 95 or 96% of people are accepted to be your residents, you will then receive an email saying you've been successful and your digital ID card is on its way 
to the collection point that you specified in the application. Now, this is one area where, you know, the onboarding does isn't ideal for us because so uh, you can pick up the card at any Estonian embassy around the world or in Estonia at the police and border guard offices, or there are a few private service providers doing this for us now as well in some cities. Um, this is where it's a little bit of a challenge because Estonia is a small country. It doesn't have too many embassies. So uh, I would say that this is a pain point that we're trying to fix by either making the collection, you know, the card either um, on like a more of a digital version or making easier to do verification online of, of the person. But the reason at the moment is that you need to go, that you need to go and pick it up in person is because you need to give your fingerprints and you need to verify that you're who you say you are. So once you have your card, you're then, you then basically are ready to start a company. We recommend using using a service provider to help you do this. And that's because there are a few things that you do need. For example, a, a contact person legal address in Estonia. So you will need to use a service provider to help you with that service. But otherwise, you are free to do it on your own. Although we would recommend not because um, starting a business, generally speaking, it's good to have some help on the admin side, definitely in the first year at least. So yeah, so yeah, so basically that's it. And then once you have your company set up, like any other company, you can start running it and logging in with your digital ID card, you know, to do your monthly reports or annual reports or declaring that if you have any tax um, liabilities in Estonia, you can do that that way. The only other thing that I'll mention here, because I don't want to go too far down the down the road, is the, the business banking. That's something else that you need to do once you've set up your company so that you can pay and get paid, basically. Um, <laughs> and there are um, more and more options for e-residents. It has been a bit of an issue in the past um, because of just generally the international banking system has been quite risk-averse. But with the increase in payment institutions online, fintechs like Wise, Revolut, um, Payhawk, um, Payoneer, these types of guys, Stripe, PayPal, these types of guys, there are more options for small businesses in particular to use before they maybe go to a traditional bank here in Estonia or in, or in other countries in the EU for their business. So this is definitely another area where, as I said, we have challenges and we, we're trying to fix them and get more options and that's something that we're working pretty hard on at the moment it's so cool that they can just get that they can get access to this like i mean just think about how like not very long ago the idea of i need to set up a business and a bank account in the eu i'm from brazil or the us or wherever and now like even what you're describing and i can see that you want to you want to make it even easier for people but like wow we've come so far where this is a possibility and legally and also just procedurally really amazing thing do you find that a lot of the people that go through this process like let me use an example like i'm i'm from the us and I originally, like I live in Spain now, but let's just say I, I have an LLC and I'm like self-incorporated in the US. Is there a reason why I would set up e-residency in Estonia instead of keeping myself incorporated, so to speak, in, in the US? Or would I have both? Or how do you advise this the person in this situation, like a freelancer, you know, self-employed person? Yeah, I think it would very much depend on your own business and particularly where your clients are based and where you're paying most of your taxes. So for Americans, we actually we don't actually have American as a focus target because of the tax 
that you guys have, which is yeah. essentially that it follows you around the world wherever you go. So we we Lucky haven't us. really made America. <laughs> Yeah, American entrepreneurs are a huge target, which may disappoint some of your some of your listeners, but it's definitely possible, absolutely. But uh, you know, th- these are things that you would have to sort of talk maybe to a business consultant to figure out what works for your individual circumstances. We do definitely have American e-residents running companies. I can I'm thinking of two right now. So um, that Ian is American, but he he's based in South Korea. And uh, his business partner, Luke, is based in Switzerland, and they have a multi-shareholder company using e-residency. And for them, it works because they can run their company together as, as you know, co-founders remotely, and, it, and it's quite a, it's a more sort of streamlined way of doing it. Uh, they also have, an, I think they also have American companies as well together, and, and maybe even in other countries as well. So for them, it's good to have a, a mix and, and use different vehicles for different, you know, clients and operations in that sense. So in your circumstances, yeah, the, the questions would be like, where are your clients? What currency are you operating in? Do you want to expand more in Europe from where you are? Um, what are the tax implications both in Spain, in the US and in Estonia and, and in other countries if that's a thing as well. These are some of the questions that yeah you would want to ask yourself before before sort of launching into it. But I would say that for people who um, for people who have a lot of uh, clients in Europe who maybe travel a lot as part of their work who find might find it difficult or expensive in their own country to start a company, which is the case in many European countries actually, um, and also uh, third countries as well. Um, and maybe Estonian e-residency and, and starting a company in Estonia is a good is a good solution. That makes perfect sense. That that's the reason for my question. And in case any Americans are listening and wondering kind of what we're referring to there, the US is one of the only one of two countries, I believe, in the whole world where you always pay your taxes. They always you always have to file your taxes, at least back in the US, regardless of where you live uh, for the in perpetuity throughout your life. Uh, very fortunate. Uncle Sam wants his money. And so anyway, you have to always file and you may or may not be actually liable for paying those taxes back in the US. But you do at least have to file depending on how much you're paying in other countries where you're actually residing could be reduced. But for that reason, that may be why it may not make sense as an American to have, say, an LLC or an S Corp or something in the US and do e-residency. It may still make sense, but it would be something to, to look into. So anyway, that's, that's, a, that's an important question because a decent portion, a third or so of our listeners are coming from the US, but there's a big percentage that are coming from other parts of the world. So that's uh, the other piece that I think, and I think we could sort of wrap up on this because it could be a whole nother conversation in and of itself, but it's a nice tease perhaps for the for that future conversation is the word residency is in the title of this here. And I think what a lot of people are always looking for access to is like, how do I get into the EU and stay past my 90 days uh, on the tourist visa? And I don't, I, I don't know if e-residency can help get that foot in the door. Um, I do know that you have another program that you can speak to. So I'm wondering if you can kind of help bridge that gap because I know at this point in the conversation, there's people going, okay, cool. So can I go live in the EU now? <laughs> and I'm wondering if you, can, if you can speak to that person. Yeah, sure. This is probably the biggest question we get. Um, so yeah, very cheeky use of the word residency, I must say. 
Uh, whoever made that decision originally, I think, was being extremely cheeky. But no, e-residency is what it is. It's a virtual residency. So it doesn't give you any physical right to travel to Estonia. It doesn't give you any kind of surefire way of getting a visa or a residency or even a citizenship further down the track. But it does uh, entice you, I think, to come here, definitely. There's quite a few residents who have ended up actually settling here. But they've done it using a different different programs. So I think the one that Chase is referring to here is, is the Digital Nomad Visa, which Estonia launched in August last year, 2020. And this is essentially it's a, a special type of D visa, uh, which is a Schengen visa, and you can get either a short stay for three months or a long stay, up to 12 months extendable, to come and stay here and work here. The the digital nomad visa, though, just a different form of eligibility requirements to the normal one. So um, the eligibility is basically that you can work remotely or telework, as it's called in the legislation. You either have your own company, foreign company, so not an Estonian one, or you are employed by a foreign employer or you are uh, serving clients mostly outside of Estonia and you can do, that's where the e-resident one comes in. So if you might have an Estonian company, but your clients are mostly outside of Estonia. So that's how the e-residents can get into the, the digital nomad visa category as well. And then the only other um, requirement to be aware of is that you do need to prove that you have income in around three and a half thousand euros six per month for the six months before, which, you know, it does sound quite high, um, particularly when you look at the median median income in Estonia. But I think the reason that they've uh, put it at that level is it's something to do with EU regulations on one hand and also because that's what the level of uh, worker and, and teleworker that they're aiming for. They're looking for the sort of the mid to senior level of people mm-hmm. to come and live here and experience the country and, and spend some time here. So that's actually, that's the digital nomad visa and that's um, uh, been yeah open for just over a year now and I think there's been a few hundred people come through, which we, considering we've been in a pandemic is, is pretty good. Um, yeah. they're, uh, they're, I, I don't know any per, like people personally, although I've, I've been talking to people about the application process, but I don't know anyone personally, although at the moment there is one Argentinian e-resident who is applying, so we're eagerly awaiting to see if he gets it so we can... <laughs> share that news then i just wanted to also mention one other visa that estonia has which is the startup visa so this is for early stage startups to actually get a visa to come to estonia to um, grow or scale their um, their company and they can i think usually bring a few employees as well with them so that's another option if you're if you're um, working you know already on your business and, and looking for a place to sort of maybe incubate or accelerate it in, a, in an environment full of other tech unicorns and these kinds of things, something a little bit different from Silicon Valley or from Amsterdam or, or London. That's another option that you can look into and, and that's for also for third country nationals as well. So those are those are the two visas that I think have a look at um, because, yeah, there's if you're from Europe, you can obviously come and stay here and, and live here, reside here as much as you want. But if you're from countries outside of Europe, um, there are options. So take a look at those. That's fantastic to know. And and so to be clear on one point, um, the, the e-residency doesn't, it's not going to help you or hurt you necessarily in the process of applying for one of those visas. But one of the caveats would be like, if you're living there, if you want to be there in Estonia and you have e-residency in Estonia, you wouldn't want to be primarily serving Estonian customers. Yeah. If you have a couple, it's fine. But I think that the idea yeah. is that um, you're, you're here sort of for a period of time and you're doing work 
for yeah outside you're taking the advantage of living here and using you know co-working spaces or offices or whatever you're using right. um, but the work that you're doing is does not have to be sort of Estonian specific at the same time it doesn't mean that you can't look for you know work at, like side work here or consulting work or look for business partners and ventures while you're here absolutely that's encouraged I think <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. And and the three and a half thousand euros, it, it, you're right, it is kind of on the uh, the higher end of comparatively to some digital nomad visas. But it's also it's not outrageous. And I, is it safe to say that the cost of living is fairly affordable um, on like the spectrum of EU countries, uh, or or even I guess more globally speaking? No, we don't yeah, need to get into is. specifics, but just generally speaking. Yeah, it is that you can rent properties here, and the the, the prices are pretty low comparatively comparatively speaking to other capital cities in Europe. And there's also quite a big supply as well. So I know, for example, sometimes when you go to some cities like Berlin, for example, it's really hard to find somewhere to live there. But here it's actually pretty straightforward. There's a lot of supply of apartments um, of all sizes and shapes and uh, and that kind of thing. And uh, groceries are very cheap. Um, Yeah, healthcare here is also very, very cheap. So that's an Australian um, e-resident was here for a year a couple of years ago and he and his girlfriend had some health problems and they got a bit freaked out. And then when, but when they went through the, the hospital system and the medical system, they were like, it was so cheap and it was so good and really efficient and they, everything was really, really public. The, the doctors and nurses were already helpful and it was all very straightforward. So on that side of things also um, good for people who might be worried about that kind of element as well. And then also for, for kids, I, I'm, I'm not so sure about how it works with the schools, but I know that the education system here is one of the best in the world. So um, there are quite a lot of international schools. So you do have kids and you're wanting to educate them, want, you know, wanting to come here and get them into schools and stuff. That's also a possibility as well. Estonia sounds like the, the land of dreams for a lot of people that listen to this show. I think they, there's access. They seem to be very open to people coming, uh, creating different pathways for you to do so while others are figuratively and literally putting up walls to, to keep people out. So I think it's it's really exciting and it sounds like a beautiful place. I, I haven't been there yet, so I'm hopeful I will get there soon. The Christmas, my, my wife is a big fan of the Christmas markets. You mentioned that early on, so maybe flagging that. Um, Hannah, thank you so much for all the information. Thank you guys for the partnership with with About Abroad and for supporting us. And I hope the audience here will, will take a look at e-residency and consider it uh, when, when thinking about forming businesses and things like that. So this has been super helpful for me. I know the audience, I'm sure, got a lot out of it as well. Will you just... Uh, we'll put all this in the show notes as well. But can you also just mention a couple places where people can go find more information if they're, if they're interested in any of the things we discussed? today yeah absolutely so uh the first place i would go to is the website which is e-resident.gov.ee and on that website you will find all the information about the application process about starting your company there's we have a blog which i'm responsible for uh, publishing on um, with a lot of information and also we have a lot of really nice e-resident stories on there so you can get some, get a little bit to know who the people in the community are and we have a knowledge base and a business guide with really detailed sort of guides to help you with, with the process um, and then also we're on social media you can just find e-residency in like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn Twitter is, is actually a place where we regularly like interact with people so if you have any questions like find us on Twitter or also on Facebook as well 
So you can reach out to us and generally speaking, one of me or one of my colleagues will, will respond. So you'll be talking to a real person. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's so good to hear. Uh, a breath of fresh air uh, and, and not getting a bot these days. So yeah, thank you again, Hannah. I, I hope we'll we'll have you back on at some point and maybe talk to some of the actual e-residents. We're going to try to facilitate that. Uh, but this was a fantastic conversation. I learned so much. So thank you for sharing the story and uh, everything about e-residency. We'll, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Chase. It was fun. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me. It also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.